I'd like you to open your Bibles this morning to 3 John 2. You know what that is, what's in that verse. 3 John 2. I'd like to speak this morning on heaven's health care plan. <laughs> heaven's health care plan. Now, our text says, Beloved, I wish above all things. That's saying a lot from a man who knew a lot. John knew a lot, was in the inner circle with Jesus, heard a lot, saw a lot, and experienced a lot. And he comes to this time in his life when he's writing letters to the saints, and he begins by saying this, Beloved, I wish above all things. How important will this be, what he says, all things? Quite a bit. I wish above all things that you may prosper, which not only includes monetarily doing better than you've been before, but in a bigger sense, the word prosper means for things to go well for you, to have good success, to do well. I wish that you may do well and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And whether or not you're doing well in life and whether or not physically you are secure and healed and well, really depends on whether or not your soul is prospering. The word prosper is the same in both senses, the same word. So if your soul is not doing well, other things in your life are not doing well either. That's just the way it works. God says, as your soul, that's you. The word suke, from which we get psychology and psychiatric and things that had to do with mind, the way you think, and thus the way you're governed, the you, the living soul, which is you, if that's not prospering, and it's obviously in spiritual sense, if you're not growing spiritually, if things aren't coming in together, the pieces aren't coming together for you spiritually, and the bigger picture is not coming before you as, yes, this is what I'm pursuing, this is what I'm after. If that's not doing well, these other things aren't doing well either. It's just ink on paper that eventually you disregard because it doesn't work. I tried that and it didn't work. But the condition was, as your soul prospers. Now I want to talk about heaven's health care plan because that's a big issue today. As you all know, they have town meetings all across the country and they're marked with a lot of anger and who knows what else is added to it. I don't know and I'm not really concerned about it, but I'm aware of it. And people are upset because of a health care plan that the government has devise and wants to incorporate on the citizens of this country that they don't really like, don't agree with, and many are finding out that not even the lawmakers know what all's in the law, I mean, in the plan, and they really don't know. But there's so many people that are uninsured and somebody has to pay for them when they go to a hospital or when they're injured or maybe it's illegal aliens that are overloading the system and they can't pay for their bill and somebody has to and, it's, and the system is starting to bulge and people are saying, we're going to have to do something about this. So they are trying to deal with that. I don't blame them for being concerned about things like that because, again, it, it's not my place to pay for somebody else's refusal to take care of themselves. That's the way the world thinks. So anyway, there's all this talk about health care and the great concern about it. I mean, you think about the cost of hospital stay. 
I talked to my son Jim this week just to verify what I'm going to say now, that his little boy, his baby Jonah, when he was recently in the hospital for a staph infection, for I think a total of five days on a couple of different occasions, the bill was $23,000. Now without insurance, that's the price of a nice truck. <laughs> that's the way a man would think of it. So $23,000 is going to bind you up paying so much a month. They all call everybody involved in the system from the anesthesiologist to the other than this one, this one, this one. They want, how are you going to pay this? And you know, you have to realize that the expenses in a hospital are enormous. The cost of machines that make you feel better, the system itself has to be equipped with the best that it can do because that's how they make people well the best they can. I would imagine there's still laundry cost of changing sheets twice a day in every room and how many thousands of sheets and then paying the people who work there, the experienced high-tech people, then all the kinds of drugs that people take. I've heard of drugs and I've had two or three people tell me in certain situations that a pill would, might cost $1,000 for a pill or a procedure, chemotherapy or things like that costs more than a couple thousand dollars for one session. I might be way under this. I don't know all my figures. I've never really tried to remember all this stuff. I don't even want it in my mind anymore than it is this morning. But it costs thousands of dollars to have a system where somebody in the world who is sick can come in and it's best they know how to make them better. So it's not like everybody's getting ripped off, though I have to admit, you know, when it used to be, when one of our last child born in the hospital was Sarah, I think, and it was, what, $3,000? And I thought, oh, my. I remember I signed in. The lady said, do you have insurance? And I said, no. And she said, oh, you poor soul. And I said, no, ma'am, there's nothing poor about me. You know, she looked at me like nobody talks like that. Nobody should say that. Everybody's supposed to talk, oh, yeah. But it was like two or $3,000. Now, today, it's what, five figures? to go in one day, have a baby, stay one day, and then come out of there like, what, $10,000? Wow. And when you get your bill, some of the things like toothpaste, $3. So there are things that are inflated. So there's a debate about the healthcare system needs to come to terms with what is more realistic than the excessive things are charging. But you know, when they've given away five tubes of toothpaste because people couldn't pay the bill, well, somebody else has to pay for that. It's a problem, it really is, in our country because people are more sick conscious today probably than at any time in all of history. I mean, television commercials are laced with drugs and sicknesses. And the radio, you know, when you get cancer and then you turn the thing off, but you heard that much. So then you have to make a speech, I do. I rebuke that in Jesus' name and then make my speech. So there is a concern there is a concern in the world about the cost of this and all the things that are going on. But one thing that I read about this plan the government has will affect Christians, at least some, a few Christians. And let me share with you just a little bit about that. And here's what it said, under the class two, now I don't know what class two means as opposed to class one or class three or on and on. But in the information that I got, it says, under class two, paragraph one, section B. You gotta like that. And it quotes, a class two device that is implantable. 
This is on page 1004 of the health plan. I'm sure everybody in the law world has read the whole thing and understands it. But on page 1004 is this part about an implantable device. And it goes on to say that this device is a data thing. That is where information is stored, a hospital survey, a patient survey. You fill out things, your name and address, recent problems, any accidents, you've had drugs that you take, things that you react to, your past health care, uh, diseases you've had in your family, who died this way. I mean, all of these kind of things that the health care system, the hospital, or the doctors can look at this and evaluate the tendencies of your life as to what can happen to you and maybe how they should treat you in the event they have to do that. And so they've devised this idea that they can take a, a little device and they call it a plantable radio frequency transponder system for health and patient ID. Wait a minute, this is a great thing now. I'm concerned about it, but this, look at the, all the advantages of it. If somebody was found unconscious and he had this transponder radio frequency device implanted somewhere in his body, then the thing that gathers information from that radio frequency transponder implanted in the victim's body, whatever the receiver is that taps into that, can gather the information of somebody without them even talking to them. But then it goes on and adds in this little paragraph here, or any other data deemed important by the FDA, which might be where you live, how much money you make, are you a Republican or a Democrat? Do you protest? Do you own a gun? Did you graduate from high school? Have you ever been in jail? I mean, they could put a lot of information into how many children you have, how old are they, just anything that they deem important, and they can put that on this chip. Now, I'm amazed personally myself at how much information today in the electronic world you can put in such a small space. How many gigabytes my phone have? My phone has eight, I don't even know how many it's got, I got somebody that does. <laughs> My phone has eight gigabytes of storage. I think that's enough to put the first and last name of everybody in the world on it. Now, if I'm overdoing it, allow me. I'm not a politician, but give me that, okay? But first and last name of, of everybody in the world, you can put on my telephone. That's something you can hold in your hand. You can imagine something smaller than a grain of rice, a chip, uh, some kind of an implantable device. This is current right now happening as I'm sitting here talking to you. It's all ready to go. I mean, it's already done, it's invented, it's just waiting for the right time and moment for people to see they gotta have, this, this is what we need. Somebody kidnaps your child, turn on the, whatever locates people, the satellite, beam in and it finds your child. Capture some terrorist, chip him and turn him loose. And it follow the chip. He goes back to where the bad guys are, hit the button and the bomb goes off. And you know, from the world side, wow, look at all of this. Drug dealing's over with? Because they do everything in cash because they don't want it to be found, no money trail, so they deal in cash. Eventually the chip is gonna replace cash. It'd be a cashless society. Several years ago at Walmart, one morning, 
as they opened up, and somebody who worked there, who was standing there at the cash register, told me about it. I said, I couldn't believe it. But one of the bosses, one of the big shots in the Walmart system, had a few articles, came through as the store opened, and old toothpaste, a shirt, and something else, and in a little basket, and put those down, and they beeped them through, and then he put his hand over the thing, and it went, doop! And the, the lady said, oh, hi, Mr. So-and-so, because his name came up on the machine there. This was 10, 15, maybe 20 years ago. So this thing is not only invented, but it's defined and ready to go. In fact, it goes on to say that children born in the United States not covered under an acceptable health care system are placed under the CHIP program. Let me tell you what the CHIP program is. CHIP. C-H-I-P. Make an acrostic out of this. CHIP stands for children's. H stands for health. I stands for insurance. And P stands for program. How convenient. Children's health insurance program. And this is that little radio frequency transponder that can be placed somewhere on your body. It'd be convenient to put it on your hand because that's always available. If somebody cut your hand off, you could always stick it just above the hairline on your head. Well, if you don't have hair, well, stick it in your ear, I guess. I don't know. You can put it somewhere. It is near the, the whatever the device is that accesses that information. And Boy, people think about all the good that it would do. You know, they're going to put these things in cars if they don't already have them. Somebody steals your car, somebody hits the satellite, your number, the car stops. It won't run anymore because it's been disabled. And the government could do that to you if they wanted to keep you from fleeing. Somebody wants to know where we are and what we're doing and who we are. Somebody really wants to keep an eye on everybody and know what everybody's doing. Right now, under the guise of health care, and how important this is. Even parents of the children in this system, they say, will probably take the device to the chip itself. And eventually, all babies born in hospitals will take the chip. Parents will have it. Schools will require it. You know what? It's just like Revelation speaks of about the mark of the beast. Now, it doesn't call the chip a mark of the beast. The chip is not numbered 666, the mark of a man. I'm not sure I even know what that means, but it has to do with something that is unusual, that's different than it's ever been before, and it's a mark of some sort whereby without that mark, you cannot buy or sell or maybe send your kids to school or get vaccinations. Praise the Lord. So, People are saying, well, if we want to exist in a modern, updated, high-tech society that uh, is improving the, the quality of life as well as the lifestyle, then we need to get on with the program. And the government's doing us a favor by providing these chips, and there'll be a day you get the thing, and your kids will already have them, and they put chips in pets, don't they? They lose pets, can't they find them? Well, why not do it with your children? And if you start with the children, the truth is, eventually, in a generation, everybody will have it. There'd be nobody without it. And anybody who, by, say, religious reasons, for spiritual reasons, will not take it and will not accept it, the government just say, okay, then you can't buy or sell without this. You see, a government wouldn't do that. 
these are the last days. You'd be surprised what the government can do. Give them enough votes, they can do a lot of things. I think it's just a matter of time. As soon as this gets rolled, and then it'll be gun control. It'll be removing the private ownership of guns from citizens. There are 90 million plus privately owned firearms in America. The only country in the world that has this freedom. All the other countries in the world are clamoring about the U.S. and its private ownership of guns. Every country in history that has been overrun by the government was on a citizenry that was disarmed. And if you can get rid of all the guns, I don't care how you feel about them, but think of this. If you can outlaw the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, if you can remove that and begin to confiscate private ownerships of guns, there's no way any government could be resisted or another government an invasion, another country, a foreign oppressor, because it would be easier to take over the country if there was no threat of, of having to deal with pockets of resistance. And of all those 90 million guns, if you say, well, we can't take their guns, so you could just make a box of ammo go up 300%, cost you $300 to buy a box of 22 ammo, and nobody could afford it, therefore everybody quits. You say, well, that's not gonna happen. Well. I think it's just a matter of time. And instead of getting into preparation for the end time, let me go back to the health care plan because that's the major issue. What are we going to do if the world says, no, we don't have, we're not covered enough, and they're going to take my coverage, and I don't know what I'm going to do, and blah, 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 blah. So leaving all of that side for the world, let me ask you as Christians, as believers, as professing believers, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Do you need health care? You say, well, I don't think I need Well, you, you really, you've got it. You've got the best system in the world, and it's free. It's free. You didn't have to spend a red cent to get what God has given because it's not for sale. God offers it to his people. We call them believers. God offers it to them free, and yet... A lot of the clamoring going on in all these meetings are by Christians who are concerned. What am I going to do if, and I can't afford that much money, and you're going to have to raise taxes, and they will. When the Bush tax system dies next month, we got to keep a whole lot more of our money by this evil president. We were a lot better off than we thought we were. Now you wait till that thing stops, and it goes back to the old system. When it goes up another 15% more, you're going to pay on your taxes. Because the more the government spends, the more you pay for it. But what about health care? What about health care? Let's say it's an option. The government offers you a full package health care if you just sign right here. You want it? Well, I would ask you this morning, what do you already have? What has your heavenly Father, God Almighty, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the creator of the world, the limitless God. What has he given us in this forever settled in heaven word about my health? We read in 3 John 2, just one verse, that, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And you don't need a chip to do that. In fact, whoever takes the mark of the beast is lost. It's Revelation 20. They'd be lost. 
So we got some things to think about here. If somebody's going to force something on you or ask you to sign peacefully and you get something and then you don't have to be a concern for the system, what are you going to do? You can't say, well, this is not going to happen in my lifetime. You are young. It is looking at you now, today, right now, and within this particular administration, not 10 years from now. It is now. This thing is coming. We're in the last days and people act like they did in the days of Noah. It is disregarding all the signs and all the things and living and drinking and, and marrying and giving to marriage like it's going to last forever. And we're there now. And people really aren't paying attention. And people do look at health and sickness commercials and they wonder about themselves. And boy, one accident wipes out all the money you tried to save. It's gone in one accident. One sickness, one sickness. And we've all heard, a guy told me the other day about a fellow who lost a leg and all the difficulties, a year or so of getting him back, $2 million. Well, you might as well charge me $65 million. $2 million, we don't make that much in our entire life. In our whole life. We can't clone ourselves and stay here for a life in a clone condition and pay for that. We can't do it. That's why the government says we got to fix this. I can understand their concern. I don't understand Christians' concern. Because we have already been given a health care system that is free. It's better than anything going. And when people say to me, you mean you don't have any insurance? And I say, why do I need it? And they look at you like you're nuts. I mean, church people. You don't have insurance on you. don't have any kind of health and hospitalization plan or nothing. Doesn't your church provide that? Church had nothing to do with it. God gave it to me. Oh, that thing. Oh, okay. You're talking about the Bible. Oh. 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 That's God. You know, oh, you're talking about God. Oh. If you say, I got a platinum policy. You do. Oh. Oh, no, I'm talking about heavenly platinum policy. God, oh, <laughs> I mean, like we're freaks of nature because we are willing to take the words of the most popular book, least read book in the history of the world. We choose to believe that the contents are forever settled in heaven and have as the author and the fulfiller of the word, the almighty God. And not many people in any church anywhere believes that. Even they fold their arms when you say this and they're very quiet because they're not sure either. Charismatics as much as Pentecostals, anybody. You can talk about divine healing, talk about God's health care plan, and folks just say, huh, what about that? Well, I don't know about that. I just know that if something happened really bad, I, you better have something because that ain't enough. This ain't going to work. God ain't going to do anything. That's what they say. Well, what does God have to say? Let me give you a chance this morning to listen carefully to God's health care plan. Go to the Old Testament Exodus first. Just take my time for a minute this morning. We got some time. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26. Now, if you take notes, you might want to jot down these. See, this is the document this is the word that God gives. Now, I might add, 
that his word is also implantable. And there's a lot of data, data, data in this book. He said, you can hide this word in your heart. And the only one who can access this information is the one who has it and the one who gave it. So when you hide the word in your heart, it's God who can see it. And when you put God in remembrance, as Isaiah spoke of, it means that you access from your policy what he said and you speak it back to him. That's how the word returns to God. Remember these words, Isaiah 55 verse 11. So shall my word be, God speaking, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. Now has it gone yet? When it got to where it was going, was it printed? Did somebody print it? Holy men of old wrote as they were inspired. Okay, so what God said has been written down for a reason and for a purpose. He says, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return. So whatever has gone forth is designed to return. I know you've heard this, but allow me. I, I like doing what I'm doing. What God has spoken was spoken with the idea that it would be sent back to him. He spoke it and it was recorded. Somebody's going to read it and say it back. And in that way, the word returns. He said his word would not return empty or void. It's not a meaningless word that he spoke. It's not an aimless, idle word when God spoke something. If God said, I'm the Lord that heals you, then he is the Lord that heals you. Not might heal you, not could heal you. He is the Lord who does heal you. That's what he said. Now he said that so you would read it. Now not everybody can read it. A lot of people have eyes to see and can't see it. They have ears to hear, but they can't hear. Jesus said they don't get it. They don't perceive it. It's not clear. It doesn't make any getting up, going about living every day sense. It's beyond them. So he said, while not everybody can get this, like Jesus said, why do you not understand my words? He said, it's because you can't hear them in John 8. You can't hear it. You hear words, but it doesn't mean anything. And consequently, you're those that hear and don't do because you don't know. You're like people who fold their arms and say, you know, I, I just don't know. I don't know about that. Well, I, yeah, I can read it, but I just don't know about that because it ain't getting in. There's nobody home. Now he said, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. The purpose of his word is for you to know what he said. And he said it a long time before we ever got here. So what he said a long time ago, he made sure that it was written down as he spoke it exactly the way he wanted it said. So that when you came along in your lifetime, you'd be able to read that. And then he would affect your heart, touch your heart, breathe upon you in some way in which your eyes would be open. A spirit of wisdom and revelation would come to you and you would go, I see it. And it makes sense. I remember years ago, Bonnie and I, we, this is 1969. We heard this and she got first night, I got second night. I've caught up since, but... We went home and threw all the medicine away in our house. 
antihistamines. David and I both had to take them, just runny nose all the just got rid of aspirins, antihistamines, liniments, rubs, anything we had that might be something other than God. We threw it all away, all of it, because we were convinced in one night that what God said God would do. Now, we read what he said would not return void. We read it. He opened our eyes because only he can, and it made sense. And it made sense in such a way that I had to question myself. Well, then if he said he will take care of you, then why do you have this stuff? If he's the Lord who's going to heal you, like he said in this, what we're going to read here in just a second, if he's the one who said that, then why do you have medicines in your house just in case? Well, I don't know. I can't say I'm going to trust the Lord if all this stuff is in the box. So we threw it all away. I know what my parents would have thought about that. I know what everybody in church I ran with would have thought about it, most of them. They would have thought you're crazy. You're crazy. I would say, why am I crazy? If we had a little monologue, I'd say, why am I crazy? Because you're throwing your medicine away, man. But I, I've got medicine. I got new medicine. I found the new medicine. I, it's here. Well, that won't work. God said it would. Yeah, but this is the way Christians talk who don't know how to answer you. I don't know about you. That ain't an answer. Talk to me. Why are you so concerned about trusting in God with all of your heart? Do you think he can't deliver you from a headache? Do you think he can't fix your innards or your outards? Is there any part of you that he did not form or make? Are you not fearfully and wonderfully made? Does not Psalm 139 say that he knows all your parts, doesn't he? What are you so concerned about if he said he would heal you? Why are you so concerned that he won't? That just because you're not convinced he will, you've got all this other stuff just in case. Why do I need a health insurance policy when I have one from God that is free? And then everybody goes from what God said to what they have seen in other people who they don't know if they believe or not. Well, I know so-and-so would try. I know so-and-so. I know so-and-so. I know so-and-so. Are you going to base the integrity of God on a human experience? Doesn't the Bible say something like this? Let God be true and every man a liar. When we disagree with God, we're liars. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, 1 John 2, 4. So, from Isaiah 55, which we just spoke of, he said his word would not return void. That means it's not empty. He said it would accomplish that which he pleases and prosper in the thing whereto he sent it. Now, either we are sitting here for 40 years believing that, or we're sitting here 40 years hearing that and never have believed it. What are we going to do on Judgment Day? What are we going to do? I'm talking about your health care plan. I'm not trying to rile you up. But Exodus 15, 26, he said this. 
if you will diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, there's four things. You do four things. And he said, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. That was a covenant name. I am Yahweh Rophikah, or Yahweh Raphael. I am the Lord who cures you. He didn't say you wouldn't come under attack. He didn't say there wouldn't be times when you didn't really feel good or something was going around, you might have a... He said, I'm the Lord who heals you. I'm the Lord who makes you well. I am your physician. That's what he says to his people as a covenant promise. One of his many covenant names from shepherd to peace to righteousness. Here is, I'm the Lord, your healer. These are covenant names. This is how people relate. The Bible always speaks about the power in his name. Well, this is power in a name. The name means you're covered. The almighty God has singled you out to cover you. No evil, we'll get to in a minute, shall befall you. None. But there's conditions. You see them? Hearken. Of the 74 times this word hearken is used in the Old Testament, 38 times it's translated obey or obeyed. That's what it means. Secondly, you do what he calls right. Whatever he says is what you ought to do, that's what you do. If he says you shouldn't do something, and you don't just keep doing it. If he says, come out from among them and be separate, you don't just keep making excuses why you're not ready for that. You come out. I mean, you come out. You quit doing it. You her. You cut your ties. You leave. You break away because that's what God said. If you don't want to do that, then he's not the Lord your healer, and you should have insurance because you're not covered. Not by the Lord. You got to meet the conditions. I'm telling you the truth. I am the Lord that healeth these. And he says, none of these diseases that were put on the Egyptians will be put on you. Go to Exodus 23. That's clause one. This is clause two, Exodus 23 and verse 25. And you shall serve the Lord your God. That's just one condition, serve. Live to please him. Do his bidding. Represent him on this earth to do whatever he wants from you. Serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water. That is, you'll have enough. There'll be plenty to eat and drink for you, and it won't kill you. And he said, I will do what else? Did he say, I will take sickness away from the midst of you? Obviously, all of us are accustomed to what sickness is. We've all been there. God says, here's what I will do for you if you'll serve me. If you'll serve me, I will take away all sickness from your midst. Now that's clause two, but let me show you what paragraph three of clause two says. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter seven and verse 12. Wherefore, it shall come to pass, and here's a condition, 
Now, God holds you to this. We ignore these things. We look at the big promise, but we ignore the condition. But here's the condition. It shall come to pass if you hearken unto these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep unto you the covenant and the mercy which he swear. This is what he will do. He will love you. He will bless you. He will multiply you. He will bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your corn, your wine, your crops, the increase of your kind, on and on and on. Look at verse 15. And the Lord will take away from you what? All sickness. Now, when I, as a Christian, or especially as a preacher, I tell people, we have been delivered from sickness. Our God, whom we serve, has promised that he would take away all sickness from us. Somebody said, well, that's Old Testament. It's Old Testament promise. Does it also fit that all the promises of God are yes and in him, amen? All the promises of God are in Christ. All the promises, Old Testament, Genesis, all the promises that God have made are in him. That is Christ. And they are yes and amen. Not no, uh-uh. They are yes and amen. How is that so? Because as Paul wrote, the promises that were made to Abraham were made to Abraham and his seed. Not of seeds, that is the plural, but of seed as of one, and that is Christ. His name, Jesus, is a name that is above every name. All those covenant names of God are all wrapped up in the one name, the name of Jesus. And in that name is power and might. You ask anything in that name, he said, you'll get it. But there's conditions. And he said again in Deuteronomy 7, in verse 15, he said that he would take away all sickness from you and would none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you know upon you, and you will be delivered. He will keep you and he will protect you and he will take you to be his own personal child and he will deliver you. There is only one source that exist who can do this. The best health insurance coverage package in the world cannot protect you. If you paid $1,000 a month for a health package, it cannot bring you health. It can only pay for the problems that come that nobody can stop. But God said, God said, no evil shall befall you and he will deliver you from all sickness. That's what he said. Now turn to the Psalms, just the book of Psalms. Go with uh, Psalm 41, 41, 91, 103, 107, just so many of them. Let's look at Psalms 41. This is in your package of health care benefits. Your heavenly Father has given you this morning, he's given you, this is more than a thousand pages long. But this has the flavor and the power of God in it. Hey, this word doesn't contain the word of God. It is the word of God. This is what God has said that we're supposed to read and realize that he sent it to do this. He sent it to accomplish this. This is what he has said to his people. This is what I do. This is who I am. I'm doing it for one reason for you. God doesn't need to be well. You do. Look at Psalm 41. He that considereth the poor. Now, we've done that before. Think of it again. He that considereth the poor, the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. Doesn't mean you won't have trouble. You will have trouble. Doesn't it? 
but he will deliver you from trouble. Here's what else the Lord will do if you just consider the poor. The Lord will preserve you. The Lord will keep you alive. You're going to be blessed upon this earth. And God will not deliver you into the hand of terrorists or your enemies. The Lord, oh, oh, here it is, verse 3. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. It doesn't mean there may not be a time that you have to go through this, but he said, the Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. Did he say that or not? Amen. You have a promise, a more sure word of prophecy, something that cannot slip, slide, or change. It's forever settled in heaven, this book. The Almighty God has spoken these words so we, as the only people He sent it to, the only people that can receive it are Christians. He sent it to us, and this is the blessedness of His Word. You don't have to be in a chaotic state on this earth. You don't have to fear disease and sickness and tomorrow and the swine flu, the bird flu, the whoever flies and whatever flu. You don't have to be concerned about it. Your Father in heaven will deliver you. Amen. And when you tell people that they Christians, the world thinks we're nuts anyway, but in the church, people in the church think, I don't know about that kind of stuff. It's because you don't know him. He made the promise. I'm just proclaiming it. I'm a proclaimer. The Lord will strengthen him on the bed of languishing and will make all his bed in sickness. Look at Psalm 91. I know you know where that is. Just as a part of your document here, this is clause four or C, D. Look at this. Psalm 91. People can quote this, but I don't know why they don't believe it. Verse two, I will say a blue cross. They are, no. Now I make fun of that because that's where most people really are. And they're very serious, and I was making fun of that. But let me be serious about this. I will say of the Lord. I will say of God Almighty. I will say of, of the one who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, El Elyon, the higher one, the one who is beyond your ability to get there, except he brings you there. The one who alone can bring you from where you are up into his presence to dwell with him personally, face to face, in a place called the secret place. Very few people even know what you're talking about. That's why it's secret. But a place where communion takes place and results in a commitment, in a real commitment to God. Something that changes your life and changes everything about your life. Something that happens when you really get there. You don't just read about it, but you desire to go there, and he brings you there. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he is my fortress, and he is my God, and in him I will trust. And surely, surely this morning for communion, surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, and surely he will deliver you from the noisome pestilence. Pestilence has to do with plague. Plagues, incurable things and illnesses and diseases that overwhelm people and destroy them. He said, surely. I didn't write this. He did. Surely. I have a dictionary, so I know what these words mean. 
Surely he will deliver you from all of these things. Pestilence or just plagues. And verse 10, you see it again. There shall no evil befall thee. There shall no plague come nigh thy dwelling. You know what the word plague also means? In Isaiah 55, I think it's verse 10, speaking of Jesus Messiah in verse 10, it says he was stricken. He was stricken for us. Stricken. The word stricken is the word plague. Same word. Same word in Psalm 91, same word in Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 and verse 8, stricken. Jesus bore our stricken. We were stricken. Under the curse of the law, we live stricken. We face diseases and sicknesses all the time. We're left bewildered at funeral homes. We go to church, I give money, I send my kids, I don't know why this happened, and we just are overwhelmed. And yet, the times and opportunities people had to learn how to be delivered from that situation, they wouldn't listen. I don't believe all that stuff. And consequently, there was no door for God. His word did not prosper in the thing where to he sent it because the person who heard it didn't receive it. There was no place in the heart to hide that word because it was too good. The devil was master over our thinking about our health, and we rejected God and held on to the ways of this world because of fear. Fear nullifies love for God. I mean, you made a choice. You made a moral and ethical choice. You chose to say, well, I know God said it, but I'm not going to accept it. I'm going to do this because I'm not sure. And we're so unsettled about the promises of God, so uncertain whether or not we qualify where we're good enough. So we lay it all aside. Everybody we talked to heard it, heard the same thing when they were in church. They're sick. They died sick. Everybody's crying about how much money it costs every month for this and that and how broke are the world in there. Everybody's crying about money. God said, you don't have to cry about that. But if you don't want to do it God's way, you will. He said in verse 10, no evil shall befall you, no plague, no loathsome fatal disease call it strokes and heart attacks, or you want to call it, cancer. No plague shall come near your dwelling. Who are we talking about? Who's dwelling? We're trying to figure out how this could be true when we know so many people it wasn't true for. Then what makes it true? Well, it's true because God said it. What makes it work? It doesn't just work because God said it, because this word's been lying in church pews for centuries and it hadn't worked. How does it work? What makes it work? I want it to work. Don't you want it to work? Would you like to get up every day and have absolutely zero fear of pain, illnesses, diseases, and threats? Being able to take a deep breath and say, I don't need drugs. I don't need pills and syrups and liniments. Ugh. I don't need it. Why? Because greater is he, the one who made all these thousands of promises. The unlimited God who made these promises has chosen to take his residence in my heart and release this word unto my mind so that my mouth can speak it back to God and God delights in performing that for me. Forty years we've been without medicines. Somebody ought to listen. Somebody should. That's 40 winters and summers and zillion miles down the highway. 
at seven kids, difficult times, swallowing stuff in the yard, dug up pills and swallowed them. I got seven kids. Guess which one of all my kids would dig up old pills and eat them? I'm not going to tell you who they are. They're not here, but I'm not going to tell you anything more about that because half of them aren't. But what is it about God that he makes these promises and it just finds this peaceful lodging place in our heart to where we have no fears? We don't panic anymore. We don't, ah! we don't lose it because something has been accessed. Some powerful thing has been deposited in our hearts. Our mind has been conformed to think like this. Didn't happen overnight. But more and more it's taken over till truly the old things are passed away and all things are becoming new. And let's face it, real Bible faith is a faith that's not even conscious of itself. It just walks and talks and does things the way it's decided to do. And it's trained that way. Just like you were trained to be sinful, you're being trained to be righteous. And it's common and ordinary to say, God will take care of this. I'm not trying to make that work. I'm not trying to confess. I'm going to confess this. No, I believe it's true. Look at verse 16 of Psalm 91. He said, with long life, he will do what? Boy, I love that. Long life. Everybody's afraid of dying. Everybody. I mean, editorially. Everybody's afraid of dying. Would it be nice to know you don't have to be afraid to die? Or of dying? Am I talking to you all this morning? Are we talking to the plastic world, the tape world, the electronic world? Maybe all over the world this morning. Listen. They can't see me. <laughs> Listen, am I talking to you? God has spoken to a lot of people. The grace of God that brings <laughs> salvation has been spoken to lots of people. But a lot of people have set that wonderful grace aside because of fear. But he said with long life. Nobody in the world can promise you that. There is no human in existence no organization that exists in this world that can promise you a long life. Nobody. It can't be done. Only God can do it, and that's your choice. You can make that choice, or you can say, I don't know about that, but his choice is yours. Psalm 103, just verse 2, who forgives all thine iniquities, and he heals all your diseases. Isn't that good? He didn't say he healed some of them. He said he healed all of them. Well, he hadn't healed them yet. Well, he did say there would be a time maybe of languishing, didn't he? It doesn't mean everything happens instantly, but they happen. They happen. He said he would. Look at Psalm 107. 107. I think this is still in the Bible. I, think, I don't think this has been taken out. He sent his word and made everybody feel good. What did he say? He sent his word and did what? Healed them, didn't he or not? It's true. It is true. He sent his word. Verse 20. Is that the same word that Isaiah 55 spoke about? The word he sent forth? Is it not this word here? And among the many things it does, he said he sent forth his word and healed them. Didn't he? Well, it didn't work for so-and-so. Listen, I'm not talking to so-and-so. I'm talking to you. You don't know all the details about so-and-so's life that God knows. 
and while you're there, section B of that is Proverbs. The next book overlooking Proverbs chapter 4. Anybody paid as much money as you all paid for your Bible and need to use it. Proverbs 4, look at verse 20. This is a verse you all should know anyway by heart. My son, give attention to my what? Is that the word he sent forth? Is that the word he sent forth to heal? Is that the word that does not return empty? So it's sent forth with promise. It returns with power. My son, give attention to my word. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. This is what you got to do. Then he said, don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? This is God's desire. This is what God does. But if you do your part, for they are life to those that find them. You can't find this with your arms folded and indifferent. Listen to me, all of you. All of you that aren't even here, listen to me. They might listen to this later. You can't walk away from this and expect God to bless you anyway. You can't. You may struggle with this. It's a good struggle. Struggle with it. Fight the tears. Wrestle with it, but deal with it. This is true. His word is life to those that find it. And his word is medicine to all their flesh. How does he say it in Proverbs 4? I don't think he uses the word medicine. He said his word is health. That's good. That's what we're talking about, health plan. His word is health to all their flesh. The word means a curative medicine. What is a medicine? Is the word of God medicine? Then the only pill you need is the gospel. Does it not say that his word is health to our flesh? Does God not watch over that very word he told you to pay attention to, to perform it? Then if it's not being performed, it's not a problem with God because he can't lie. The problem is somewhere either with us or something we're doing that nullifies the power of the promise. I'm talking to this assembly, this humongous assembly here this morning, all thousand of you that the world is falling apart because of fear of disease and money. And I'm telling you, you need to fear or be concerned about either one of them. Isaiah 53. This is the part I like. Verse one, a question that was asked a long, long time ago is still a valid question to ask. In this world system, in the year 2009 of September. Who hath believed our report? Didn't say who's heard it. Everybody's heard it. He said who's believed it. Who hath believed our report? And to whom has Jesus been revealed? Revealed. Not heard of, revealed. The arm of the Lord, the extension of God and what he does by his strong right hand. The extension of who God is and what God does is seen in Jesus Christ. Who has his arm been revealed to? Has it been revealed to you? Well, listen to it. Verse 3. Speaking of the Messiah, Christ, he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows. A man acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, and we still do. We still do. 
He was despised, and we didn't care. We didn't recognize him. But here's what happened, verse 4. Surely, surely he hath borne... Now, do you see the word our? Who is our? Listen to me, all of you. Get this. Our is to whom the arm of the Lord has been revealed. That's who the hour is. This word doesn't work for whoever picks up a Bible and reads it and then starts quoting it, hoping that it'll work because you quote it. It comes with revelation. Jesus said one time, he said, I thank thee, Father, thou hast hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and you, all God, have revealed them unto babes, these lowly disciples, the scourge of Jerusalem. But that's who God revealed it to. The other people couldn't see it. He said to you Pharisees, as I spoke earlier, why is it you don't hear my word? Because you can't. God has given you a spirit of slumber. You're like a man who sleeps and doesn't pay attention because when people sleep in church, I don't know what you're talking about. But you have a spirit of slumber. Your eyes are open, but nothing's going in. There's, there's nobody home. Then why did he single out people like us to reveal these things to? Why? Because he loves you. And he knows that in a world that will eventually fall apart before the power of darkness completely is dealt with, he's going to do everything he can to kill and to steal and destroy your happiness, your peace, your future. He wants you to be full of dread and consternation and all these kind of, I don't know what. The, he wants you like that because that nullifies God's power. You either believe it or you don't. So he sends his word. And he said plainly in his word, he hath borne our diseases. Listen, I've told the devil this before. You don't put on me what Jesus bore away for me in my place. God laid on him what would belong to me and he bore it away and it's not mine anymore. I'm delivered. He took my place. He took your place on the cross. We're almost afraid to talk about this, but he took your place on the cross. He took my place on the cross as God's sin offering. An offering for sin. He put him on the cross and there he bore all the curse of the law, which included sickness and disease. That's why it said he bore your sicknesses and carried your diseases. By his stripes you're healed. That's why it says that. We're not supposed to write a song about that and just, oh, he bore all. There's more to it than just a lovely song. It's a life. It's reality. A physical body affected by a spiritual matter. Heaven in your heart, releasing because you believe it, releasing something the world says, I don't understand that. Oh, you're lucky. Oh, Jesus, but he bore our diseases and carried our pains. Did you know that the word griefs is the same as the word sicknesses in Deuteronomy 7:15? It will remove all sickness from the midst of you. The same Hebrew word is translated griefs. It could have been translated, he bore our griefs. He said he bore our sicknesses. Griefs and sicknesses of Deuteronomy 7:15 are the same word. God made this statement in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 61. And he said, and every sickness that is not even written in this book, he will put on those who are under a curse. 
The word sickness there is our same word as griefs in Isaiah 53. So Jesus did literally bear our sicknesses. It's because we have not believed that and accessed that, that things didn't work for us. God is under no obligation to do something for you because you love somebody. It takes faith. That seemed like a harsh subject to somebody, but it's a wonderful thing because only God can give it. Faith is not some desperate move at the end of your life where you try to make it. Faith is how you live when you're well. And it prepares you and guides you through your life to where you don't dread anything. It's his power. But I want you to notice again, verse 4, Surely he hath borne our sicknesses and carried our, you see the word our? Our sorrows. And you can make out of sorrows languishing, fearfulness, all the things that make us sorrowful. He bore it. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Not might be, not could be, are. We are healed. And as you know, turn to Matthew 8 and look at verse 16. I hope you say, well, we know all that. I hope you do. Hallelujah. I hope you do because I want you to be strong and steadfast in this book and apply your faith for this word every day. Hallelujah. Matthew 8, verse 16. And when evening was come, the Sabbath day was over. Now they could do this. The evening was come. They brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed some that were sick. Thank you. And he healed all that were sick. He didn't leave anybody sick, did he? He didn't say to not one sick soul, well, the Lord doesn't want you healed. You're more for his glory sick than you are well. He didn't say that to a single soul. Never once in his ministry did he ever say be sick. But he said over and over and over and over and over again, be healed. And he did that notice, verse 17, that it might be fulfilled that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. We just read it. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That's the New Testament translation of what the Old Testament says. That's the right way to say it. He took our infirmities, our weaknesses, and he bare our sicknesses. Now, if he bore them, they were born if he bore my sicknesses, then he bore them. They don't have to do it again. It's done once. If he did it, it's done. If it is forever settled, it is forever settled. I have been healed. I was healed at the cross because that's where he bore it. And all that the devil did, Jesus undid at the cross for me. Amen. And when people say, well, why doesn't God do something? Why does he stand around and let so much crime and corruption and, and poor little kids and, and death and, and poverty and all these ugly and ornery and awful things? Why doesn't God do something? He already has. He already has. He's even already announced what he's done. To the people that are crying the loudest, he said, I've already done it. It's done. 
I took care of it 2,000 years ago. And people keep saying, why doesn't God do something? He already has. The question he asked us as he stands waiting, listen. He said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. You remember that? Whatever he says to you down here to whom the word was sent, whatever you declare illegal and unlawful on this earth, in your family, in your life, heaven will also. Heaven will do the same thing because the word doesn't return void. And so when you send back to him what you believe that he said, he performs it. But he said, whatever you bind, but in the office, whatever you loose. Put it like this, like one translation says, whatever you allow to continue on this earth in your life, in your family, so will heaven. God isn't going to say because somebody's going through some awful thing or, oh no, stop that, they go to church. Hey, there's a way everything is accessed. It takes faith. You've got to speak the word. You've got to speak it because it's in your heart, not because you're trying to make it true. You've got to speak it because you believe it's true. That's how the word goes back. And that's how your health care plan from heaven comes into play. It is God who watches over you, your family, your body, all your doings, all your comings and your goings. Whatever you put your hands to. Going out, coming in, blessed going out, blessed coming in. Whatever you put your hands to, everything you do will prosper. It is God who makes that happen for the ones who believe it. And churches are full of people who don't. But they can. You can. We can live so free of all the stuff in this world. Let me close by saying as a little aside to our church doctrine, God put gifts in the church, gifts of healings. This is New Testament now. He said, these signs shall follow those who believe. That's right now. You can speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Or you can just pray for yourself. What things soever you desire, when you pray, you believe. This is in the church, in the word of God now. It's what we got now. Let me close with this statement. Asking all of you young people especially, because you're the ones that are looking at the world in the prime of life. You're in your prime. What are you going to do about tomorrow, about all the threats and the fears? Look at all the distractions in your young lives that pull you away from the word and tell you why you can't do that now. Look at all the things that are distracting you. And your holy and righteous father is waiting for you to line up with his word. If you will, he'll bless you and others will say, wow. But if you don't, whatever you allow on earth, he'll allow in heaven. If you don't want to do anything about it on the earth, heaven won't do anything about it from heaven. He sent his word and healed them. If you don't want to do it, you won't be healed. I'm telling you this this morning in closing. We don't have to be afraid of tomorrow. We don't have to fret ourselves because of the uncertainties of the hour. We've already been warned. We've already been told. And the Bible said the Holy Spirit will show us things to come so that we could be ready. Whom should I fear and what should I be afraid? If God be for me, Romans 8 said, who's against me? Amen.
Let's approach the communion table this morning with thankfulness and gratitude that God Almighty has sent this power of his arm into this world to reveal who God is and to reveal to you the power of his word so that you can be set free. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. As we approach this communion time this morning, we want to thank you for Jesus, for living a perfect life, for going to the cross on our behalf, bearing our sins and our infirmities, and stating to us that by his stripes we are healed. I confess over this entire crowd this morning and those who listen to this message, those who watch it, I confess that by the stripes of Jesus, legally and judicially, you were healed by your Father. That healing belongs to you. That everything the devil did, Jesus undid in his atonement. And you're free. And you need to work on that until that is as natural in your life as sinfulness used to be natural. I thank you, Lord, for the communion, for the cup and the bread, and for the privilege to be a partaker of such a wonderful thing. In Jesus' name, we ask you to bless us now. Amen. Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. Because he has loved me, Therefore I will deliver him I will set him securely on high Because he has known my name He will call upon me and I will answer him I will be with him in trouble I will rescue him and honor him with a long life a long life I will satisfy him because he has loved me therefore with a long